to the Cultivate and Keep podcast. It's uh, Jeremy and Corey, and today we have a special guest that we will announce in a minute, so don't get too excited yet. Um, Hold Corey, your horses. Yeah. How you been, man? This is my uh, my first one back since my yeah. trip. I think this one's going to come out a bit later, so mm-hmm. but yeah. Mine too. Yeah. We, we both just got back from Europe, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been good. I'm, I think I'm finally adjusted. I sleep in late again <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but you got, I mean, you're in the new house now, so mm-hmm. actually oh, yeah. recording, we're, we're this is the, the first episode yes, in the yes, new office, the new office. Yeah. Yeah. That's what do you awesome. think? Are you happy? I'm super happy with it. It's, uh, definitely now with our, it's a great occasion to break out the new yes. office. Yes. Um, so super stoked to use it. Yeah, man. Forward. It's good. Awesome. Well, we can, uh, save the banter for our next episode, but yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it. We'll get into a lot more bands later. But today, we're super stoked to have with us Frank Berry. Frank, you are the Chief Operating Officer, COO at Tithely, right? Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, correctly? that's right. That's cool. right. Awesome. Um, it is uh, tricky. A little it's a, bit. It's a, a little, little bit of a tricky name, but Tithely is correct. It's not too hard, though. Uh, and Tell me if I'm describing it right, but it's a software company, produces products for churches, ministries, nonprofits. Uh, you call it like a giving platform. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's exactly right. So we're a software company. Um, we started off uh, as a, an iPhone app. So, uh, you know, one of our co-founders used to be a pastor for a number of years. His son actually is a techie. And so his son went off, built an iPhone app, got it into the Apple store. And, uh, you know, they got up at church and launched it and raised 10 grand that weekend and wow. off to the races. So it started off as a giving app. Uh, and then, you know, we're about five years old as a company and we've added, you know, custom church apps and, uh, church management products and website solutions. And hmm. so we're much more of a kind of all in one, you know, suite for churches now. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think the last numbers I saw was it's used by about 15,000 churches yeah, about um, thirteen. About okay, thirteen thousand. But we'll churches. be at fifteen in no time. Okay, so. that's right. By the time yeah. this comes out, by the time, out, right? by the time this launches, <laughs> <laughs> and in around fifty countries, is that right as well? That's right. Wow. So we, um, cool. so again, we started off doing giving, right? So you know, every church raises money. They, you know, most churches will pass the plate or a bag or have some form of giving cash and check, mm-hmm. right? So the the kind of aha moment was like, oh, that the iPhone exists. You can load your your you know your debit card or your uh, credit card into the phone and use products like start the Starbucks app to order coffee or Uber or Amazon where your card's just on file and I can do all this commerce online or on my phone. Why can't I give to my church that way? Right? So instead of passing the plate, you've got tons of people that don't have cash and check. Um, they're visiting church or maybe they're regulars and they're younger generations or they just forget their checkbook or for whatever reason, right? You got mm-hmm. all kinds of reasons even now, right? With like, the coronavirus and things like that. Like people aren't showing up at events. Mm-hmm. Like there's just tons of reasons why people may not show up at church um, or they may not have cash and check. So yeah. um, giving on your phone was kind of like the big thing. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the core of the business. Yeah. That's crazy. And you're also uh, an angel advisor or an angel investor board member advisor to some other companies as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, mostly, uh, learning through Tithely and everything we've gone through as a company, right? We're about five years old, Yeah, about a hundred employees now, um, serve 13,000 churches. Like you said, 50 countries. Um, the 50 countries is pretty crazy. Like we've got churches and all kinds of, or customers, that are churches in all kinds of crazy countries mm-hmm. where you're like, man, that's, that's nuts. Mm. Um, and then we do payments in eight countries, right. Where we can actually handle the donations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just tons of learning and tons of growing as a person and 
as a business person and professionally and the network of people that we get to connect with. And, um, all of that has led to some cool opportunities to kind of, uh, e- either invest or advise a handful of other companies along mm. the way, which I totally enjoy. It's fun to share things that I've learned and kind of help other entrepreneurs that are headed down that path or trying to figure things out mostly in the tech kind of SaaS world. Yeah. Super cool. Well, yeah. Uh, first of all, I thank you for coming on the podcast and for sharing your time. Yeah. Uh, I think we were really excited to talk with you just because I think um, you're at a really interesting intersection of like business and ministry and technology. Um, also, you know, an entrepreneur yourself. And so kind of embody a lot of these different things that yeah. we want to explore, that we want, you know, to find. And so I think it would be a really uh, interesting thing. I want to get into tightly all that stuff, but could you just take us back a little bit to the beginning kind of uh, where you grew up, how you grew up and who you were as a kid. Sure. Um, so I grew up in Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada, um, which is, everyone's always shocked by that. They're like, wait, people <laughs> live in Las Vegas. Right. Like, yep. They were born uh, there. Yeah. I was born there. They have hospitals and, uh, suburbs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was not born in a casino on the downtown strip. Okay. <laughs> Someone told you that. Or yeah, that. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> They're like, what do you do there? I'm like, no, I didn't gamble either. <laughs> Um, no, I was born there. Uh, I was born in 78. So, um, lived there all the way through high school. Uh, you know, the, the fast version, you know, parents were divorced pretty young. I was two or three. So raised by a single mom, um, have a a half sister, three half brothers, um, great friends with all those guys. Uh, one of my brothers actually works at Tithely, uh, with me, which is super cool. Lives Mm. out here in San Diego. Um, but yeah, had a, had a, you know, I had rough moments as a kid, especially these sort of single mom and, you know, had a, had a rough relationship for a while that caused some havoc in the family and, uh, put us through some crazy stuff. Um, but my mom was, you know, she was amazing. Like she never missed a game, like made it to all of my stuff, like made Christmas amazing, somehow put us through college, like all as a single mom. Right. So um, she, she taught me a lot, um, and fought hard to make her kids successful, right. To give us something more than she had. Um, and then, yeah, moved to actually moved to Palm desert for college, started college at college of the desert, went there a couple years, hmm. came to San Diego, which is where we're at now. Um, and went to San Diego state, graduated with a computer science degree, and then actually went into youth ministry for about five years, four to five years. Um, here in San Diego, uh, at the church I still go to today, uh, and did that for a bit. And, uh, you know, at, after doing that for a while, love working with kids sort of still loved technology, those kinds of things. Um, but it just wasn't the right fit for us as a family. So for me and my wife together, we were like, okay, it's probably a good idea to step out of ministry and go find, uh, another kind of job. And, uh, so I've actually started working at this company called Kintera, which made software for nonprofits. So it was an interesting, I got, I got hired into the faith-based team that was doing implementation or kind of setting up the software for folks like the Methodist church or Charles Stanley ministries or in touch ministry, like all these kind of faith-based, um, and primarily kind of church, uh, focused groups. And, uh, so that's how I got started in tech. And that company was bought by another company called Blackbaud and combined, I spent about 13 years, um, Mm. doing technology for just the larger nonprofit world. So fundraising and donor management and websites and email campaigns and all this kind of stuff. Um, and bounced around a bunch. I did 
um, kind of the consulting services part of things. I got into marketing for a handful of years, did product management for a few years and spent the last handful of years in our payments team. Um, and then from there comes Tithely and that's kind of where we're at today. Yeah. Wow. That's the short version of the, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So feel free to go into any part of it. To zoom in a little bit, uh, back in the beginning, did you grow up a Christian or what were, what were the kind of family dynamics like um, yeah, especially with your parents? Split no, I wouldn't say I did. I mean, I, um, you know, again, parents were divorced. So when I'd visit dad, I would visit my dad, uh, you know, every other weekend he lived in Vegas for the most part, moved to Arizona for a little bit. Um, but when I'd visit dad, uh, you know, I'd go to church with the family. So I was exposed to church. Um, but you know, that was, that was really it. So, uh, you know, going through really up through the kind of middle of college, I was familiar with church. I'd been to church, you know, but I, I was not like actively involved. I didn't know what it meant to, to be a Christian. I didn't know the Bible. Like I, you know, so I, I kind of generally knew church and Jesus and those kinds of things, but couldn't tell you what was in the Bible or anything about what it meant to be mm-hmm. a Christian or what Jesus did for me or any of that kind of stuff. So it was in college um, actually maybe the short version of that story is, so I moved to San Diego state. I was dating, uh, a girl at the time, um, from Palm Springs area. So we actually both went to San Diego state. We were still dating, um, moved into the dorms kind of our junior year, start of our junior year. And, uh, a couple girls that lived next door, um, invited my girlfriend, uh, to like a woman's day or some kind of event. And, um, she had grown up going to church, so she was looking for something in the area, right. As we moved out here. And so, uh, very soon after that, she dragged me along, like, come on, we're going to church on Sunday. And so I go to church and there's a big kind of college ministry based out of San Diego state and Grossmont, some other schools in the surrounding area. That's right. So, you know, just got connected with some of the guys, started building some friendships. You know, they asked me if I'd ever like studied the Bible or knew much about church and God and, and becoming a Christian or any of that kind of stuff. So, um, over the course of a few months, just started, you know, learning more, um, about what that meant and, and kind of what it meant to change your life from kind of where you're at at the time to become a Christian and, uh, all of that. So, um, yeah. And that, that was kind of the moment my, my girlfriend at the time and I actually, we broke up cause we we're like, look, kind of how we're living is not in line with what Jesus calls us to. Um, so we decided to kind of cut things off. Hmm. Um, and we got super active in our campus ministry and, um, really enjoyed that time. And about a year later, um, actually her and I started dating again, um, sort of as Christians and with all those values and very different than we were before. Uh, and that whole relationship changed. And, uh, then we got married in 2002 and now we've got three kids and, uh, trying to raise them, uh, with a lot of things we learned from our parents, but also as, you know, kids who know God and, um, love his word and love his church and are in that community mm. from the beginning. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, like at one season you guys were dating without like Christian values and then broke up for a year and then got back together. Yeah. Tell us about like that change and like, kind of like you restarted dating, like almost totally. like a new, you guys, you guys are like, we're like new people, right? So yeah. like what was that hard and what, what was that like? Man, it was, uh, that's cause you describe it as if it was like, super smooth and easy. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it was could, not, yeah. that was not smooth. <laughs> I mean, um, man, it's like when you become a Christian, you're a new creation, right? Like everything dies 
and you, and you're now a new person. Mm -hmm. Um, but like killing all that stuff is like not easy, right? Like when you die to yourself and you die to what you valued or how you lived or any of that kind of stuff. And you realize like, Oh wait, that's not totally, um, in line with how God wants me to live. Uh, obviously doing it God's way is always better. Right. But it's hard to kind of realize that. So, um, yeah, once we got to the point, I think in our hearts and mentally and, and made that decision, like that was hard. I remember us sort of having the chat, uh, in the dorms and, uh, you know, sort of breaking it off. Like that was just, I don't even remember how long, but hours of tears and just heart wrenching. Like we're going to do this. Um, and we're going to do it for the right reason, but this is hard. Like we did not left to myself, right? Like I'm not making that decision, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. All on my own. So, yeah. um, so that was super hard. I remember, um, like when you, when you rip something out of your heart, like that makes room for God. I think that's what it did for me is that it ripped out this thing, this other relationship that I was putting ahead of God. And it gave me time to put God in and replace all that. So I, I just remember saying to say there was this hillside, like facing the freeway, facing the eight freeway, but you could kind of get on campus. You could walk out to this place. It was private. The freeway was there. So it was loud and I could just go out there and pray and cry and sort out life in this new world. And so, and then I would see her at, you know, we had like on campus events with the college ministry and church on Sunday and we would do Bible studies on, in the dorms with people. Right. So I'd see her all the time. And right. so for, you know, it felt like months every time you see her, like those emotions are brought back mm -hmm. up. Right. So it was a, a period of time of just getting okay with that. Um, and then, yeah, us just changing, right. When again, it, you're sort of a new creation. And so figuring out like how to be different, what would a relationship look like in doing it God's way? Right. So obviously from old to new, when we started dating again, um, it was just different. Like we weren't, our lives didn't revolve around each other. I think it's the easiest way to like describe it. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. my, it, everything wasn't about her anymore, mm -hmm. but we wanted to have a relationship that would honor God. Right. What did that look like? Like we're pure, like we're not sleeping together. We're not living together. We're not, you know, doing things in that way. We're not wrapping our lives around each other. That's not what we live for. Um, so I think just fundamentally with that as the framework, like our relationship was totally different. Like mm -hmm. we went on dates and we do it, with other couples because you know, we want to stay pure. We don't want to put ourselves in spots that make that hard. Mm -hmm. So why not, you know, have other great friends around and go on great dates together. And, um, yeah, just much more of a pure kind of courting style mm -hmm. relationship, um, that we had after that. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that strikes me too is, uh, sort of the switch. And I think it's funny too, how it's all tied back to these, random, you know, neighbor girls who just invited your yeah. girlfriend. And then, uh, that basically kind of was the catalyst to getting you started on this trajectory to becoming mm -hmm. a Christian. Big time. Um, what, what was like the, the switch to you, you know, like what kind of made it all make sense or was kind of the catalyst to you making the decision for Christ? Um, man, that's, what was the catalyst? I, I mean, it was probably a combination, you know, it was having guys in my life that I could, I could see their lives, right? I could see them, you know, loving God and, and like, you know, praying and reading their Bibles and being active in their church and the, this community of people that was, um, like very authentic and very real and guys just like me 
trying to love God, you know? So I think that was like, like seeing it tangibly hmm. and living it day to day. Like this whole group of people in the kind of college ministry at San Diego state was, was awesome, you know? So I think seeing that having guys that were also investing in me going like, Hey, let us help you see what the scriptures say. Let us help you understand God, understand mm-hmm. Jesus. What does that life look like? How is it different than what you're doing today? And so I think, you know, I think that community, God's word, obviously, right? Like when that's planted in your heart, like it's going to grow and produce something. Um, and then just kind of looking at it and going, oh, it's, it's actually not like the Bible's pretty simple. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's not rocket science to take how Jesus is calling us to live and go, oh, okay. Yeah. I probably shouldn't be sleeping with my girlfriend or I probably shouldn't be lying or Mm -hmm. stealing or what, you know, like it's, it makes it pretty clear, um, to clear a bunch of that stuff out once you start reading it. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's a combination of those, like reading the Bible, starting to understand it and the community that I saw people really living it out, um, helped me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the, uh, now the next kind of seizing your life after college and, now you're a Christian and decided to get started with this married. nonprofit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Married. Um, <laughs> can you walk, I, I thought it was interesting. You said that you, uh, so you majored in computer science at yeah. SDSU yep. and then ended up kind of getting involved in more, uh, implementation marketing. Well, youth ministry field. first. So I That's did right, youth four ministry. years of working with high school kids. Yeah. Um, so well, I mean, what was that like? And, um, that was awesome. I was like, just, basically extended college for four years. Right. Of like, <laughs> I'm playing John Madden football and helping kids like in the name so, of ministry right? in the, in the <laughs> name funny. of Jesus. Yeah. Touchdown. Um, As like an intern or yeah. I mean, I, I was full-time on staff. Um, uh, I was full-time. My wife was not, uh, though she was super active and, and participating had, you know, had to work a day job, but still was super active. Um, so yeah, it was just helping the high school kids, be connected. We'd have, you know, weekly kind of Bible studies or different events and things like that. Um, organizing all those kind of things, like getting in the family's lives, like helping these kids in, in, you know, times that can be pretty tough, like kind of the middle school, high school years, um, are pretty instrumental. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and just be, you know, so our church just has a big focus on, you know, have a, have a great ministry for that, those age groups. And so I led that ministry for mm-hmm. a few years. Gotcha. Yeah. And then next from that was working for the tech company, right? Yeah, that's when I yeah yeah I jumped over and that was a weird one, man. I I got an email from Monster. Did you guys ever is Monster a thing anymore? <laughs> well, I think like, it was just the end of Monster. Yeah, maybe, like does it exist? Um, yeah. What's out there now? It's like Indeed. Yeah, Indeed. Google. I think Google's <laughs> taking over. Google all of it. It's on yeah. Google or Facebook. Um, no, like at the time, you know, we were my wife and I were trying to sort out like, look, if if ministry, if we're not both going to be kind of full-time paid staff ministry, then we're not going to do it. Right. Like having one of us doing it and one of us not doing it wasn't how, how, you know, that, not that that's wrong. It just, for us, wasn't that we were either both going to do it or not. And for my wife, like working, being paid by the church to do ministry, just, it didn't sit well with her. Like for, her own make whatever, you know, whatever issues are going on for her, like that just didn't sit well. Um, because she's already super, you know, she's a super active like volunteer, you know what I'm saying? And so mm. to her, like, this is just the life you lead and getting paid for that just 
cross some wires, right? So we said, all right, we're not going to do that. And then in that process, I get this email from Monster like, hey, there's this job, a tech company in San Diego, which I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I looked at it and then I was asking some friends, um, other guys on staff, mentors and things. And they're like, yeah, you should check it out. Like start exploring this stuff. Um, and it just so happened the job was working with, it was doing tech, like sort of implementing software, helping configure software for faith-based groups. Hmm. And I was like, I didn't even know a job like this existed. Right. What, what is this thing that's like a mix of my, my own personal faith and technology mm-hmm. kind of coming together. So that was, um, uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> okay. So you spent 13 years there. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy your time or were you loved like, it? Okay. Were you, do you have like entrepreneurial like aspirations like, or was that kind of just an idea that happened and you started tightly? Like how did that develop? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think that was cultivated over time. Like while I was at that company, um, I helped, I think within a bigger organization do some things that were more looked more entrepreneurial than, than just corporate kind of do your thing. Right. So I helped, um, spin up some new marketing stuff at one point, like things that we weren't doing. And I remember pitching it to the executive team, like, here's what we should do and here's how we should do it. And here's how much money I need to do it, but here's the results it's going to produce. And just going through that whole thing of like, starting something new within a company. I, I remember doing it with one of our products at the time that we had this existing product, but it, it wasn't getting kind of invested in that like it needed to. And so I was like, all right, let's go figure this out. So I remember working with like a small group and going, okay, how are we going to like redo this whole thing and then bring it back to market? And so I, I think it just had these moments of doing stuff that was, you know, in a bigger company, more starting revitalizing like entrepreneurial kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then in the payments team, I was, you know, working on kind of new biz kind of stuff, which is you're out creating things and just hunting for things. Um, so I think I had a little bit of that, you know, like throughout while I was working there, like starting things was something that is always fun, like and interesting and you could see openings and things like, you know, so you can kind of see like spots you should be doing stuff and then trying to kind of take the take that direction and get other people behind you. So, Hmm. so some of that, I think, um, into tithely, like there was four of us and to varying degrees, all very entrepreneurial in different ways. And so I think for me, the four of us coming together played a big part in, in us creating what we have today. Right. So it was like all entrepreneurial, all with different skill sets that make this starting team really, really, like a powerhouse. Um, were all so, four of you from that company or just no, kind of no friends? different, different friends, different places. So everyone was from a different T- two of us had spent time in that company. Okay. The other two, no, didn't have any connection okay. there. Um, and like friends or just like workplace buddies, you know, uh, man, I, I would say friends for sure. But the common connection with one of them mm-hmm. was workplace buddies. Um, the connection with the others was, you know, just loose friends gotcha. uh, that we had connected with over time. So the other two, um, you know, definitely a loose relationship. Um, and it's it's Dean and his son that had the idea of like, oh, I'm going to create this iPhone app and that had it going at their church, right? So I connected with them and that's kind of like 
they had this thing going for their church and some of their kind of network of churches. And then when the four of us all came together after we got to know each other over the course of some time, we were like, man, we should take this thing and like, just take it to the next mm-hmm. level um, and turn it into a real company and put some money into the mm-hmm. business and start doing some sales and marketing and all that kind of stuff. So um, our, our friendship probably pretty light at the beginning. And now, you know, these guys are some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious on like the structure of like, going into business with like with these people yeah um was it like equal partnerships or like how did, how did that like how, what was the structure like from the beginning yeah um definitely a, a equal partnership uh you know each of us has equity in the company we each took we kind of fit these natural hats it, it was pretty simple because we we fit these natural places like everyone kind of knew like where they should be their role in a way mm-hmm. like you know we got a tech guy so he was the engineer he built everything right from zero um we had the pastor who knew the market well was the market right um we had a real kind of payments pro that knew the world of payments and digital payments and commerce and those kind of things and i spent time in this odd marketing would be the thing that i think i bring to the table most from the in that mix um because i spent a bunch of time doing digital marketing and you know, kind of lead gen for, from the online perspective of all of this. So you mix all that together and you basically have the four things you need to, to Mm -hmm. go. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. and then we just bled over. Right. So we all have, I think our core strength and then we all bring obviously other skill sets. Like I spent time in ministry and I spent time doing software and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the guys have varying degrees of other things they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I, I've heard that, uh, you know, partnerships, starting a business, um, co-founding was a lot like getting married in some ways. Um, because there's I mean, an agreement. Hey, I was there. at one of the guy's weddings. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like me and Jeremy are married. I'm just kidding. Whoa, yeah. whoa. Uh, <laughs> Easy. But can you tell just a little, a little bit about like how our relationship has involved, uh, evolved and also like, um, I mean, what it does take to start a company with others as well and co-found like what, what is really important to the relationships yeah. and your agreement together? I, I think communication is massive. Um, yeah, I, like that's a tricky one. I think, you know, being connected, believing in each other and just communicating. Right. So in a lot of ways it's been so easy for us. That's the weird thing. Like we've had our disagreements for sure where we like, we need to fight this thing out and work it through. Um, but we make decisions together. We, you know, something might come up where there's some kind of disagreement, whether it's on hiring or what's the next thing to build or where should we focus or whatever it is like that stuff comes up. Um, but we all want the best for the business. We all believe the best in each other. Like there's no selfish motivation. There's no backdoor deal you know there's just none of that like we're we're a team and we're gonna do this thing together and so the four of us we get on the same page we talk a lot i mean we talk almost every day between the four of us some conversation is probably happening every day and Mm -hmm. and some of us will talk every single day right so i think you know lots of communication believing the best working on something together and and i think also just knowing you need each other like there's no way this thing exists (laughs) without the four of us. Right. Right. It just doesn't like I, if, if Barnes not there building the things from the beginning, like I can't build anything, like I'm not getting that done. If 
we don't know payments. Like we're not making any money, but we got a payments guy who knows how to work that stuff. If Dean's not here as a pastor and a passionate CEO, like we're missing understanding the market. You know, if there's not a marketer that understands digital, that can build an inbound funnel that's, you know, signing up 600 churches a month, like, we can't actually get customers, you know? So it's like, we needed all those things. And I think we respect everybody's skill sets um, hmm. and, and just trust that we want to build this thing together. So um, it's gone surprisingly well, like, and <laughs> that's going to be my next of, question. I mean, tell yeah. us about uh, like the size, how it's structured and what Tithely looks like today. Cause like I said, it's, um, uh, it started five years ago. Is that right? Yeah. Five yeah. years in June um, is when we incorporated the business. Um, had the iPhone app in the market with some customers before that. Um, but it, you know, officially incorporated the business five years ago in June. So coming up on our five year anniversary. Congrats. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It's uh we're about a hundred employees there serve about 13,000 churches, um, in, you know, 50 countries do, do giving in eight of those countries serve churches from like all over the spectrum. Right. So we've mm. got church plants coming out of, um, you know, Stadia or some other network, uh, all the way up to mega churches, you know, like the rock here in San Diego. So we've got every kind of denomination, every kind of size all over the country, all over many countries. Um, so it's really cool to see, uh, just how the church is in all parts of, of the church around the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just had our company, our, like we meet once a year, Again, there's about a hundred of us, about 80 of us got together in Dallas. So we see each other in person. We do everything on zoom and Slack. And, uh, so see everyone seeing each other in person is like a big family reunion where people want to see each other and have a good time. So we spent a couple of days hanging out. Um, but yeah, that's, and it's a that, fully remote company. Yeah. Right? We're all remote, no offices. Was um, that intentional from the beginning or yeah, something that just kind of happened? I think it's a, I think it kind of just happened. Um, but it was because. <clears throat> two of us were in San Diego. One is in LA. One is in Nashville. So from the very beginning, mm. we did Google hangout, right? Yep. We did video meetings with the four of us and that's just how it went. So when we hired our first employee, guess what we did? All right, there's one more. Now there's five of us and we're doing Google. I don't know if we moved out of Google by that point, probably not, but you know, just Google hangouts on video with the five of us. And then, and then that's just how it kept going. Hired a few more in Nashville, hired, some in San Diego, hired some in Ohio. Like it just kept building and video calls were how we did everything. Hmm. So <clears throat> like what, I don't think any of us sat around and go, Oh, we're going to create a remote company. But because we were remote, we just were remote and it yeah. never, it never changed. And if anyone's like, Oh, offices were like, why would we get offices? Like it's a big expense. It limits your hiring and it's just not who we are culturally. Right. So people love work. We just got nominated to Forbes best startups in America list today. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Today? So it came out today. Um, That's cool. So they, they somehow, I don't know how they do. It's probably listed somewhere. So I don't know how they do this, but <laughs> they evaluated, um, I think 2,500 startups over 50 employees in the U S and somehow ranked them. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And it, it wasn't a list of 2,500. It was only a list of, I don't know, 500 or something like that. So we were number 129 hmm. uh, on the list of like startup, best startup places to work in the U.S. That's so, so cool. Right? Pretty cool. Like yeah. amazing. But it's all remote. I think we attract that kind of 
person. They love remote. We're, it's a pretty young company. Um, I don't know exactly, but the average age is probably under 30. Um, and people just dig it. People are passionate about the fact that they get to work in startup world, they get to work remote and they get to serve the church. So like their blend of all kinds of things are coming together for them. And they look at, you know, a lot of them, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them look at their work at Tithely as like an extension of doing ministry. I get to serve churches. I was going to ask, um, is, is faith part of the interviewing process or just no, strictly I'm, talent? Yeah. Like I, I don't actually know legally if we can even that's, ask that's that or ask, not, yeah. but we, that's not a thing. But I think you pick up when you're interviewing, you mm-hmm. will look, you go to Tithely's website, you see Tithely is about like software I mean, for the churches. Name that you can yeah. gather. So, right. so people that are coming kind of in the door to interview, um, if they're not some kind of, um, referral because everybody knows somebody, right? So we all like, there's tons of referrals happening on the hiring side. Um, they know what they're getting into, right? So you, without needing to sort of ask or need to ask any of that stuff, people like self-select in a way. Hmm. Yeah. And, I'm curious too, because, uh, you know, a hundred people over in five years, and I yeah. think you were telling us beforehand, uh, you were 35, about 18 months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take about 18 months ago. I think we we're right in the neighborhood of 35. Yeah. I mean, how <laughs> so do you crazy. scale up that quickly and find the right people? We don't know. Like, we're just sorting it out. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not, it, we want to hear Give yeah. us the answer. Now. I know we, we need the answers to life, but I'm just curious about like kind of your philosophy of like finding the right people and building a team, yeah. especially like, you know, you, you can't just like, Hey, you're hired and you're hired and come over here. And now you culture is like, massive. Um, yeah. Great leadership within the company, right. At like kind of the team leaders. And so I, yeah, we've, again, I think without sort of having some explicit, like here's our company culture and we've written it down and all that we have a very strong company culture and we mm-hmm. hire people, um, again, we get a lot of our hiring from people that already work at Tithely that know somebody that's looking for a job that, you know, as we open up positions, engineering or customer success or marketing or sales, somebody's got a friend and they say, Hey, you should apply for this position and people apply. And usually if you work here and you love it, you're not going to recommend it to people that you think may not fit this universe. Right. So, you know, people come in and I think we've got great leadership. Um, you know, probably two years ago we brought in, you know, it's when we kind of hired our, our like management level. Mm. Um, we've got amazing people there. Um, and I think they help kind of keep that culture going. Cause you know, the, we, hi- me and Dean interviewed the first 50 people, right? So we were involved in every single interview for the first 50 and after 50, it was just too much. Like we couldn't do it. But by that time we had a great culture the managers that were in place that were now taking over the interviewing were also bought into it and living it and, and wanted to keep it as well. So then I think they're hiring with the same, you know, Hmm. style and, and mindset around kind of who fits well here and who's going to do well here. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it really comes down to great people and just one by one hiring great people. We've had six people in five years leave Tithely. Wow. So of a hundred and let's just, I don't know the exact math, but if, if we've hired 110 people, only six have left. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. One of them left for a full-time ministry job, right. Dream job. Um, and, and others left for, you know, all, all good exits where they had some other opportunity that came up. Right. Mm -hmm. So really cool 
like people stick around yeah. like in the all in, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't keep going, but you know, the first five hires like all stood up cause they're all still here. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. really cool. Um, so people, man, just hiring good people and having a, I don't know, a spidey sense for that as you're going through the interviewing process and then your, your leadership having the same knack for hiring good people. Right. Right. And super important that it passes down. Um, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit because as a platform that, I mean, essentially it's kind of like an all-in-one platform for churches and ministries and yeah. they can essentially do everything they want to. I would imagine that you have some pretty interesting insights, data points, uh, learnings, right? From like what people are doing right, what they're not doing right, yeah. what they've learned or don't know. Like, can you talk a little bit about like the world of fundraising and or like giving and just uh, gives like kind of behind the scenes look at, you know, what works, what doesn't work yeah. and kind of all the behind the secret behind the scenes secrets. The, yeah, the secret sauce. Um, well it's, it's interesting, right? So if you think about churches, you know, they're open for 90 minutes on a Sunday, right? And usually not open at all the rest of the week, hmm. right? Most churches, not every church, but lots yeah. of churches, you know, they have a service on Sunday. They're open for 90 minutes maybe two hours, right? Maybe they have a midweek thing for an hour on a Wednesday, stuff like that. So they're, you know, it's a, it's kind of a business that's only open for a few hours during the week. And so they get all of their revenue for the most part from passing the plate. So they pass the plate, people give cash and check, and that's how they fund the operation of the church, right? Pay for the staff, pay for the building, pay for the snacks, pay for the programming, all this kind of stuff. Um, I mean, what business operates that way, right? Like none, none, none right? like no, nobody operates that way. It's really hard to do that. So you're constraining people's like ability to give to, to your church, um, by them having to be physically in the building and people don't show up for all kinds of reasons. They could be sick. They could be traveling for work. They could have people in town with them. I don't know. They could have kids sports going on. There's just all kinds of reasons people miss. I think don't quote me on this. I'm sure it's state, you know, there's some stat, somebody that study it, but you know, people on average go to church maybe twice a month. Yeah. Right. So, um, so all that to say, when you make it easy to give from a mobile device, now people can give whenever they want. And everybody is into like paying for things online Oftentimes they like to schedule their payments cause they do it with how they do their budget or they do it around when they get paid. So all these dynamics exist already in people's personal lives. So now I can give mm-hmm. and I can do it just like I'm, you know, paying some Pay other bill. bill yeah. Right. And not that you're taking the heart out of it. You're just giving people the opportunity to put it in their budget and schedule it for when it makes sense for them. Right. Yeah. And so whether I'm in church or not, I can still give cause people aren't not showing up out of bad hearts that it's just, Yes, you want, we all want them in the building because community is what, you know, the church is the community of people. And at some point you need to be in contact with real people, right. To do church. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just not always going to happen. So for us, we see, we actually see like over 60% of giving when you have tithely running at your church, over 60% of giving happens outside of Sunday. Wow. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Massive. Right like getting to the stats question, like over 60%, I think it's close to 70% of giving happens outside of Sunday. Hmm. Right. That's Some, super cool. Yeah. Something like 30% of, and this is like in aggregate of all of our customers, right? So every church is different, but just mm-hmm. in aggregate, we see about 30% of giving being, being automatically done like a recurring gift set up okay. where it's just happening. Right. So if you're a church, 
like my church, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think 70, 80% of giving is like automatic recurring giving, mm. right. Of the pot that's digital. Right. So right. if you're a church, knowing that you have this amount that's set up to come in weekly or monthly is just a great benefit from a financial planning perspective and oh, budgeting yeah. perspective and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Right. So, you know, you see again, 30% or so being automatic recurring, you see 70% or so coming in outside of Sunday. Now as a church, you're like, you're feeling much more solid. You're not waiting for Sunday. Yeah. Heaven forbid there's, you know, a storm somewhere or a tornado or an earthquake or a what, like there's all kinds of stuff that mm -hmm. happens where all of a sudden there's just no church at all. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I want to ask uh, if I, if I can ask how is revenue like generated for the business? Is yeah. it like a percentage of giving? Is it like a subscription base? Like how does it work? Yeah, we have two parts. So one part is, um, we charge a fee as we process donations, right? Cause there's credit card fees mm -hmm. and kind of just handling all of that. So, um, for our core product, we actually don't charge any, there's no monthly fee. There's no subscription fee. There's no other hidden fees. We don't charge fees for chargebacks or refunds or any of this kind of stuff. So we just, we charge 2.9% plus 30 cents a transaction. So as you use the product, you know, that's how you get charged. If you don't use it, then you don't pay anything. Hmm. So that's the core business. And then we have subscriptions where people will pay anywhere from $19 a month to add on text giving up to $99 a month. And for 99, you get a full church management product, a full giving suite, a website product and your church app hmm. all in one place. Wow. Um, and you, I mean, most churches are going to cobble that all together with five different vendors and they're going to be paying five, eight, twelve hundred dollars a month to get that package. Mm -hmm. So what we, we really try to drive the cost down as much as we can let any church in the world from the smallest church plant. I mean, we have deals with church plant networks where we give away everything free for the first year. Mm -hmm. Right. So we want the church plant to have great software all the way up to the mega church um, for a price that's just shockingly low. Mm -hmm. It, yeah, that, that was my first thought. I was like, wow, like it's, um, I can see why so many churches adopt it now, but also, yeah. uh, it, it's cool. I think that, you know, one of the things you kind of keep repeating to us a little bit is like, you will want to keep costs low for churches yeah. and that it's not just like a, you know, there's, there's lots of other businesses that will, um, figure out how to squeeze as much profit as they can out of right. their customers. Right. Um, and I think that also maybe can even like negatively, of course, you know, increasing prices to a degree is good and you have to over time with inflation and things like that. Yep. But if you can keep prices low and keep it as accessible as possible, you also build a lot of loyalty, I would yeah. imagine. And, a lot and we, of, we have, we can't predict the future to your point, right? So we don't know yeah. what we're going to do with prices five years from now, but so far all we've done is reduce our prices hmm. and put more, right? Like we're adding a full messaging platform, like text, email, print, like it's, it's coming, we're launching a beta probably early Q2, but that's just getting bundled in. Like, so now if you're on the all in plan for 99 a month, well, guess what? Now you just get messaging. That's cool. Right. And then we're launching uh, a kind of a square, like a, a swiper. So you can plug it into your iPhone or your iPad and hmm. that just comes in. When we launch it, it's just in, in the bucket, right? So we keep putting more stuff in the bundle and trying to give them more of what they need to run their church. Cause we're all church people. So we, we're all active, you know, the people that work at Tithely for the most part are active in their church. So we know what churches go through and need. And, mm. you know, we got guys that are running the coffee shop or doing the book table or checking kids in to kids ministry. And, and so we live it, you know, so we just keep trying to add more and more of what they need and, and keep the prices low. Mm.
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's fascinating. And uh, again, coming, coming back to this theme of like business and technology and ministry, like how does that play out for you? And, and like, how do you approach kind of this intersection yeah. of like, I mean, Tidely is a business, right? It's not yeah. a nonprofit. Yeah, it's a for-profit, yeah. You serve, uh, your customers are nonprofits. Yep. There's obviously faith involved in all of it, but like what's it's your approach to, uh, I guess, to like how faith plays in your business and like how you approach business? Well, I mean, I think it's just an, it's the underlying culture of what we are. Like we believe in, you know, being generous, right? We have a giving company and, and we want to be generous. I think that plays out in how we price things and how we serve our customers. Like we have live support. You can call in and talk to a human being. You know, a lot of tech companies have gone away from that kind of stuff because it costs more money. But we know our churches have volunteers or people that aren't savvy with tech and talking to a real human being matters. So um, I, I just use that as an example to say we want to be a generous company. We want to uh, serve people well, like, you know, the things that we're taught in terms of following Jesus, right? Like it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? Like we should be laying down our lives for our brothers, like just bringing that thinking, like we're still a business, but serving people, caring about our customers, really being concerned with helping them, really wanting to give them things at, at, uh, like great software at prices that they can afford that any church can afford. Like all of those things I think stem from our faith, right? They all stem from just how we're oriented into the world and how we want to be givers and we want to take care of people. We want to be fair with people. We want to resolve everything and, and it's not profit driven. Mm-hmm. Like we need to make a profit cause we have to pay a hundred people's salaries and keep them employed. And we have to keep serving our church as well and building more products and putting money into the business. So we need to make money. Um, but that's not the driver mm-hmm. for why we exist, right? Like we really want to serve the church and we really want to give them great software at a great value. And I think that comes from a different place. It's not like, Oh, let's just make a company. You know, it's like, no, we want to serve the church. We happen to be techies. Let's do it. Well, let's make it cost effective and let's really care about people. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we are approaching an hour. Do you want to continue it's around so tidily? Fast. It does move fast. We're fun yeah. to talk to, I know. Totally. Good. <laughs> no, you we know should probably move on maybe a little bit um, uh, to other stuff. And there's yeah. other, other stuff we, we want to cover. we got a short yeah. list to go through. Let's so. go. <laughs> Rapid fire hour. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to touch back on your like family life a little bit. Yeah. Does your wife work now or is she home with she the kids? She works hard. She does. We have triplet eight-year-old boys. You have triplets? Triplets. Yes, we do. You, you do? We do. Dude, my yes. wife is going to be stoked to hear I that. I would show her... you a picture, but there's no video here. So <laughs> it'll be her, after. Her dream is to have like twins. Like, yeah. It, she's always like talking about it and I'm like not super excited for that. So it's like this really funny balance. Yeah. But it's that's awesome. really cool. Triplets. Yeah. We triplet eight-year-old boys. Wow. They're in second grade. Um, they Jeez. love legos and <laughs> monsters and baseball and riding their scooters and <laughs> the way he's describing it right now all <laughs> the things that's funny rc car i mean i'm just a big kid so yeah. it's glorious i'm like that yeah. sounds cool that sounds it's fun. awesome that's awesome it is so awesome yeah. when you f- so when you found out it's gonna be triplets um how, we, how we found out it was gonna be twins okay you know the first appointment yeah. we're like oh, okay cool like, i got yeah. twins in the family runs on my side and boys run on my side and all this kind of stuff so cool and then we go back you know some period of time later and they're like hmm 
can you meet me in the office after this? Like we're, you know, we're in like doing the, mm-hmm. what are the, is it a sonogram? I forget yeah. what they Do call it, but yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, <don't, laughs> it sounds terrible. Um, so we sit with the doc and he's like, yeah, there's another one in there. So yes. it was three. And, uh, the, the easiest description is like, I cheered and she cried <laughs> simultaneously. Yeah. Um, That's so because you know, like that it's high risk. As soon as you have more than one, it's very high risk. Yeah. That's a crazy, mm-hmm. um, at, at about my wife would know this way better than me, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 20 weeks, the doc was like, if you keep, uh, if things keep progressing in the pregnancy, like they are, you're going to deliver these kids in the next week or two. Oh my gosh. And they're not going to make it. Uh, so she was on massive bed rest. Um, they won't keep you in the hospital cause they're like, there's nothing we can yeah. do for you here. So man, our, that's, this is one of these moments you know, you look back in your life and you have these like miracle moments where you're like, that's one, that's one. And for us and our church prayed like crazy. They had, we had like a pregnancy, one of our best friends, like she was sort of like the project manager for, (laughs) she would have people coming over and making meals. And my wife's mom stayed with us for a long period of time, helping run the house. And my wife was in bed and, and, uh, you know, it was just this crazy journey. Uh, but eventually they actually made it to 35 weeks, Wow, which is, like the nurses were like, no one ever makes it to 35 weeks carrying triplets and especially coming from where you were like Mm -hmm. where you were about to deliver. Like I remember being at at a conference, this was early parts of this where you didn't think anything would happen, but Mm. being at a conference and my wife calling me like they're headed to the hospital because she's having contractions and all this stuff super early and you know, just crying and praying in my room, like God keep these kids in, you know? Um, Mm. and yeah, now they're eight and they're, huge and <laughs> eat everything and it's awesome so that's cool yeah um and what's it like being a dad of three young boys and being uh heavily involved in a large-scale company um yeah well, it's uh it's great i mean we're remote so i'm home mm-hmm. like my kids come home from school i get to see them you know i get to run around after them i get to hug them or i get to tell them quiet i'm on a call like you know what <laughs> you get to you yeah get to. <laughs> like uh yeah i get to be around them that's so cool. Um, the company, regardless of size or whatever, I just think the remote nature is a massive blessing. Like I love it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. trade it for the world. Um, cause it lets me be a part of my family in ways that you couldn't, if you were in an office. Um, and, uh, I think they get to see me doing things more, right. They get to be around listening They're They all have eagle ears. One of them in particular, like he's listening to everything. So I might be on a call and he'll come up and sit in my lap or, he'll sit on the, you know, over there in the chair and just kind of listen to daddy on a call. And I think that's cool. Cause they get to see daddy at work and it'd be a little bit more a part of that than they would if I was in an office. Mm-hmm. Um, they get to see when I bring some, you know, there's a crew of us that are in San Diego. So I'll bring the team over and Christmas party at our house. And, you know, they just get to be a part of all these things that I think is, I never got exposed to, you know, so they get to see this side of business. Like I, I've like forced them to watch shark tank Cause I'm like, you will learn <laughs> how to pitch a business. Um, but yeah, I just think the blend of, um, remote work and being a dad is like, wouldn't change it for the world. Hmm. I don't know if that was what you're asking, but that's what, that's what I think of immediately. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause, uh, I'm already spoiled at a young age, yeah. uh, working remotely and, yeah. and I'm always thinking like, I don't know if I could ever go back. And especially 
I feel like just with having a family, yeah. you know, my wife and I don't have any kids yet. We have a dog and he's very involved in my work place. Yes. <laughs> but, um, I can only imagine how cool that is just to be able to be home and to, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of people maybe who could resonate with, uh, you know, dad's working on the weekends, working late, being gone early, mm-hmm. not being there for games or for certain events or things like that, which hurts, you know? And yeah. so I think it's, um, it's a I, really cool opportunity. I think we also have worked hard, uh, to create a culture that is not, a alarm bell sounding hair on fire, working crazy hours kind of world. Like, hmm. you know, better suited if you asked, you know, all the people that were hired at Tidely, but like, <laughs> I think we do a, a good job of like, that's not what we want. Like I want to shut it off at four or five o'clock. And for the most part, unless there's crazy things going on, deadlines and whatnot, but you know, generally speaking, we want people to turn off work and be with their families or be with their church or do, do what they want to do and not be stressed out, yeah. you know? So that that's hard to do. Like we're a growing fast paced, growing company. So I'm not, pretending it's perfect in every way, but I think we, you know, we're not calling people after hours. We're not emailing people after hours, slacking people after hours is the normal way of doing things. Um, so I think that's, that's a joy, right? Yeah. Cause I think everybody benefits from that kind of culture and you make it a spot where it's, fire drills don't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not how we want to run. And sometimes companies can become that and that's hard to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, wrapping up a little bit, getting close here, but, um, curious, like what are your long-term goals and like, how do you kind of look out to the future and plan and kind of set a vision? Um, you know, would love for you to tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe what the next year, three years, five years yeah. you think looks like, man, that's a, I, I have no, I'm not a big, you know, plan my life out kind of guy. <clears throat> I think, you know, we want to have a great time operating tithely and, and, growing this company and serving churches. And, you know, I think we're going to get to 50,000 customers in the next three to five years. Mm, Um, so that's just work, right? That's just plodding along, serving our customers. Well, building great products, taking care of people, hiring great people. I think that's going to continue to exist for well beyond three years. It's going to go for a while. Like again, hard to predict, but I think we've built something really cool with great people. Um, and yeah, it's our mission to get to 50,000 churches. So it's happening. That's so um, cool. And, you know, life-wise, I think, you know, it's raise great kids and keep my marriage strong and um, teach my kids what it means to follow follow Jesus. And I love it. One of my We have this action Bible, and, like, one of my kids, I think, has read it three times. It's super thick. It's probably, like, three inches thick, right? Wow. And it's, like, a, it's a comic book style thing. Mm. And you know, uh, they just, they get super into it. So I just, I want my kids to sort of understand what faith is and, and they're starting to ask interesting questions. So I want to sort that out. You know, I don't know. I don't always know how to answer. Right. But like, as they're maturing and growing and things are going on in their minds, like I want to be a good dad and be able to help them through that stuff and talk through that stuff with them as it's hitting them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, man, I, you know, just want to keep at it. Like, life is good. Love my family. Love what we're doing at Tithely. And if I could keep this rocking for 10 years, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, definitely. Um, these next two are some of my favorite questions that we often will ask our guests, but, um, looking backwards, um, how have you grown or changed personally in life? Yeah. I I wanted to ask (laughs) specifically like the last five years, um, probably around like Tithely and family kind of 
Tithely has um, just in that time frame, just by nature of it going from you know nothing to something to a hundred employees, mm-hmm. and, like it, I don't even think I can probably describe. Like you're just forced to grow, <laughs> you know. Like it's just you're. I'm doing things that I never would have expected to do, right? Like what does it mean to hire this many people, or what does it mean to create, you know, a leadership structure within a company that is doing a bunch of stuff that you used to do and now you need to step away from it. So that's probably one good one. Like I've learned how to step away and trust and let other people who are actually probably better at it than me, but like, it's hard to like let go, you know, like let go of things. So that's, I, that's for sure. One, I think the value of hiring great people is something I've learned because I've hired more people, right? Not just I, but we as a company have hired more people, so you have to let that play out and, and trust that other people are making good decisions and be able to step away from that as well. So like, you know, bringing on great people and stepping away to let them thrive, um, how to work in a remote culture. Like, you know, like it's like, I'm learning all this stuff. I'm learning everything cause it's all new. Right. I it's, I've never yeah. done this prior in my life. So everything is new. Um, how to handle HR situations, how to handle, you know, all the hiring stuff, how to handle like finances and fundraising and it's all new. So it's like, we could go down the list, yeah. I guess, um, of all kinds <laughs> how have of I stuff. not changed the last five years. Yeah. Though? Yeah. I, and I guess maybe relating it to personal change, you know, um, is, is tricky, but you definitely like you grow up some, you mature some cause you're dealing with people and you're dealing with, um, what's the right like way to think about it. Like, the thing, the size of the situations or the impact of the situations get bigger and bigger as the mm-hmm. company gets bigger. So how do you handle those things? Well, well, and how do you equip yourself to handle those situations? Um, massive learning of just having the right people around you, right? Like having the right team and the right people who know more than you and are going to help you get through it and make the right decisions, um, versus being like a solo, like I know everything and I'm going to figure it all out on my own. Right. Um, so I think lots of maturing in that way. Um, lots of maturing, maturing and trusting the team and, and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a similar vein, is there something that you've changed your mind about recently or Mm. that you've kind of, uh, flipped, maybe done a 180 degree on your opinion? This is, this is painful. (laughs) (laughs) Done a 180 on, doesn't have to be a complete 180. It could be a 90 degree. Yeah, turn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kind of, man, that's a, give me some examples. Um, I mean, I think one thing that we both, and this is maybe a little bit more obscure, but uh, had to change our mind about is like the way that we think about money, um, especially like debt, because yeah. you learn growing up, I mean, at least with our families, um, very much like, Dave Ramsey-esque followers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Dead is bad, dead remove is bad. all dead. Yeah. Um, but actually, it can be a tool. And, yep. you know, we've both gotten into, like, um, credit card hacking and mm-hmm. using points and rewards, things like that. Oh, so man, that's next level stuff. Right that, that, I mean, that's... I've, like, just, read an article, and I just get overwhelmed by it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're not, like, pros by any means, but that's an example of something yeah. we've changed our minds about. That's a good example. No, that's a really good example. Um, man, I can't think of anything... Yeah, I I can't I honestly can't think of anything where there's this nice. big like you stumped him, Corey. Big, Give me one. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> they literally just high fived each other um, <laughs> for all those listening. 
Uh, no worries. If something comes to mind, yeah. I'll spit it out. I, I just I think I'm it's a hard question. It, but, is, it um, is a tricky one. I mean, lots of morphing and and moving and all of that, but but like a big change. Um, I guess I'm not one that gets like too stuck in anything. Stuck's the wrong word. It's not stuck, but it's just moving all mm-hmm. the time. I guess um, mm-hmm. for sure with building the company and all that, it's very it's super fluid. You know. Um, We've had, I don't know, things where you think like, oh, well, we need to hire this kind of person for this reason. And like, you know, I'm voted out like, nope, it doesn't matter. Others of us think this way. And it's like, oh, well, I was actually wrong. Like we totally hired the right person and it was not mm-hmm. what I thought. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So like, I guess yeah. there's stuff like that. Um, and I, I do think for me personally, like letting go of control and letting people take on things, even though that's not really like a. 180 or a 90 or whatever it is a right. change in my own personal hmm. how i how i operate yeah. like that's in in scaling me if you don't hire the next person like you're not going to scale up like you, you need to bring on people even when it seems like that might be a tough thing to do right now but you're stuck until you do it you know so i think some of those yeah. kind of yeah you know yeah. minor things along the way um less dramatic i guess but yeah, no, that, there's still, probably thousands of those that I yeah. don't even remember. Still a great example. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, I mean, just from your observation, again, these are kind of like some rapid fire questions, but what do you see as uh, the things that like Christian men today are struggling with? And this could just be from your own personal experience mm-hmm. or with friends or, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, in the church as well. But yeah. I don't know. Like this would this would just be more kind of my my circle. I, I wouldn't yeah. claim to speak for the worldwide movement of men, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think how to be a great husband, marriage, finances, kids, like that's those those three things. Once you hit hit the different zones, um, are just massive. You know, like how to be a great husband. How how do I you know what does it mean to lead my wife? What does it mean to you know, provide for the family? What does it mean to spiritually, you know, and I I don't mean just like making money and whatever, but like spiritually, how do I lead my family? And, um, you know, when you get into like, okay, what does that mean in finances? And how do you do, how do you have a budget and how do you get on the same page around what your budget is? And how do you reel your spouse in, whether you're the husband or the wife, when the other's going off the rails and, you know, like all those things, I think. So, yeah, I think it's how to be a great husband, how to be a great dad, um, money. Those are <laughs> probably the three big ones Yeah, that I see in my own. Because yeah. I'm kind mm-hmm. of in that world. I have eight-year-old boys. You know, I've been married since 2002, so I've been married for quite a bit of time. Um, like, been a Christian for about 20 years. But in my world now, I've, I'm around a lot of other sort of, younger married newly new kids kind of scenarios right and so yeah um those are big ones and they're lifelong right um definitely yeah anyways that's those that's our exact kind of uh philosophy behind starting this whole thing and try to explore that it's just our pursuit you know of those those three are probably the bigger and i think it's like accountability you know when people decide that they're gonna own their thing, it makes a massive difference. Like when mm-hmm. they're going to own being 
as a man, like I'm going to own leading my family. It's it, everything falls on you, right? When you can own it, when you, in your finances, I'm going to own it in your parenting. I'm not going to make excuses. Like I'm going to own it. Like when you start to operate that way, that it's yours and you're the only one that can, you know, make this thing happen. Um, you and God, obviously like doing it, using the word as the, you know, guiding principles and prayer and all these kinds of things, but it's like, take ownership of it. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, like that's, that's when you're ready to start making progress. Yeah. You know, the people that make excuses or blame other people, like they, they struggle for a long time. You sound like my good friend, Jocko. Jocko. Come on, Jocko. <laughs> we, we're trying to get him on the podcast, so. Jocko, get on the podcast. If you have any connections. <laughs> that's good. We might ask you to tweet later on. Or, Let's or go. LinkedIn or something <laughs> and share our post. <laughs> um, if, you, if you could go back and have a heart-to-heart conversation with 18-year-old Frank, Ooh. what type of advice would you give him? 18. Where was I? I guess that's a freshman yeah. college. Hmm. Man, I'm, it's, I've, I've heard this question or variations of this and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how my life has wandered. Like, not that I planned it, not that I, I, I like it, like God came into my life, got me out of a mess. <laughs> I had a rough upbringing in some respects and, and an amazing upbringing in other respects. Um, I've enjoyed it all. Like, I don't know that I would change anything. I, I do think I wasn't armed with, so I wasn't armed with how to run a budget or do financing, like, you know, your light, like money. I, I wasn't armed with any of that stuff. I wasn't armed with how to buy a home or how to think about using a checkbook or how to think about, you know, career path and, and where do you want to go? Like, I, I didn't have any of that. Right. I had an amazing mom. Um, but that wasn't where she was helping me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, I think I could go back and give a lot of, I would love, I would have loved to have mentors and people that were new more in those ways. Like now I look in with my kids, right? Like I want to help my kids understand money and I want to help my kids understand like relationships and where to invest your energy and, you know, like be able to guide them in those ways. And I didn't have a whole lot of that. What I had was sports and coaches. So I think I got it in a different way. Um, but I got it right. Um, I got Mm -hmm. it enough. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it revolves a lot around just like life, like living life. Like what is it, (laughs) what are the things that really matter in life and having someone that was, was there to kind of, you know, coach me, guide me, answer questions, like be around for those things versus just kind of, I ended up in college and then I ended up at San Diego like a wandering, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't this real directed thing gotcha. in any way. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite books? Uh, I saw, so randomly my recent favorite, favorite book, this was last year, Atomic Habits. Like nice. I probably read it five times. <laughs> um, and in that, so I'm just going to go with that one. That's, that's probably top of the list at this point and just applies to so many things like mm-hmm. in life, it spiritually running a business with the kids, with my wife. Like when I was like, okay, the habit I'm going to create is washing the dishes every morning after we all have breakfast. Like my wife was like over the moon about that habit. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it like, all okay, like it was just a great, it was a great read. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, one of our favorites too. We some I reread list this this year. Totally. 
yeah, you should, everyone should read it every year. Yeah. Like, and I read a series of books around habits and things like that. That wasn't the first one kind of built into that one, but I think that was a good one. Good one. I think what's the other one habits by Charles Duhigg. I read that one. The power. Yeah. The power of habits. The power maybe. of habits. Yeah. Like um, yeah. So I, there was a bunch, I can't even think of compound effect was another good one in that kind of category of things. Hmm. Um, yeah, it just applies in so many ways. And uh, who do you look up to? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. Who do I look up to? Um, I mean, I, I admire, I mean, I, I admire the guys that I work with day to day, like big time. I, I feel like I, I'm able, so I didn't grow, I grew up with a dad, but through divorce and all the challenges that brings. So I think male figures in my life matter a lot. And I've had some amazing male figures along my path, like starting with, um, the guy that like studied the Bible with me and really became like, we were in each other's weddings and he was a little ahead of me in some things. Right. Um, but still a young guy, he was just out of college. And so looked up to him for a long time, like huge mentor, huge impact in my life. Um, the, the next guy that came along, uh, older guy, family, kids out of school, um, these are mostly like personal guys. Like these are friends mm-hmm. who have mentored me mostly in the life spiritual side of things that I think are my, they're, they're just the ones, you know, that I have always yep. super admired and they've invested a lot in me. And so there's probably four of those over the, you know, call it from 20 to I'm almost 42. So from 20 to 40, there's about four of those guys mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that I just admire a ton, look up to them, hope to have families like them one day and kids like them one day, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that'd be it. Not, not that like, there's all kinds of awesome people in the world, but those guys gave a lot to me mm-hmm. and meant a lot to gotcha. me. That's good. Yeah. There's a pretty consistent theme with a lot of people that we talk to and even ourselves, which just like having people mm-hmm. that you can draw some from, yeah. you know, there's like, you know, indirect people authors, pastors that you listen to right. people podcasts, but having people Ta- in real for life. me, it's like hard to look up to them cause I don't know them. I might read the book or right. whatever, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really know that. you, you know? Yeah. So the guys that have, that I've seen their lives and I know them, um, you know, and they've, and they're doing some amazing things in their own personal lives with their families. Like those are the ones that I admire a ton and, and want to imitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's big. So to wrap up here, uh, Jeremy, if I may ask the last question, you're up, man. Uh, <laughs> if you could just say one thing to the next generation of Christian men, what would it be? One thing. It doesn't have to be like the biggest thing, but if, if you just had one piece of advice or one thing on your heart to share, I mean, yeah, I, I, it really just all starts with your relationship with God. Like for me, if, if God didn't come into my life, and change the course of everything. I don't know where I'd be. I mean, I probably wouldn't be married. I'd probably have jacked up kids. I, I, I just don't know where I would be because what I came from is, is a mess, right? Like I saw mm-hmm. in terms of like male figures and marriage and finances and all, just all that stuff. It was, it was all a mess. Um, so like I would probably be like that, like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can always be different, but if I had, if, yeah, so I would just say I think it starts with really loving God with all your heart and and 
ripping out anything that's seated ahead of him. Hmm. You know, if you do that, everything flows downhill. Not that life will be easy or perfect or anything like that, but if you have that right as a Christian man, it's going to impact who you marry. It's going to impact how you work. It's going to impact how you think about money. It's going to impact your kids. It's going to impact everything for generations. Um, get that right. And it's downhill in a lot of ways. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Frank, I want to thank you for, again for coming on the podcast, for sharing so much. Uh, it's been super fruitful and insightful for both Jeremy and I. Um, before we cut off here really quick, Jeremy and I do have a fun uh, announcement. It's something we've been working on for a long time. But we finally have our merch line up. Yes. So cultivateandkeep.com slash merch. Um, I do I, expect a free t-shirt. Oh, yeah. We will, we'll send you <laughs> one, actually. Yeah, you can be... Take your pick. Yeah. Hat, shirt, hoodie. I think we've got, Amazing. I want to say, 11 products to choose from. Uh, we've got, like, you know, have a backpack. Um, got a really cool system set up. Um, so if you want to check that out, go to cultivateandkeep.com slash merch. It's officially available. Just got a super simple site up. Uh, you can get it um, online on our website and hope to see you in the next one. I also wanted to say one more thing. Yep, if anyone ahead. wants to get a hold of you, oh, Frank, yeah. or learn more about you, how and where can I do that? Man, you could, I mean, from a business perspective, just go to tithe.ly. Um, that's the company or tithely.com. They both work. Um, man, I'm terrible on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. It's mostly family stuff, some work stuff. Um, but yeah, probably Instagram, gotcha. Instagram, LinkedIn. Cool. Sounds good. Awesome. All right, Frank. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. Thanks again. And thanks for our listeners. We'll see you in the next one.